Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lafondra looking to get side of Bond. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Elm Park Royals podcast sponsored by Blue Collar Street Food, who next weekend, it's their last weekend open in their current summer format. So get yourself down there next weekend because they are going for a little refurb, refit for their new winter opening happening on the 5th of October, I want to say. Start of October, they're going to have screens for the World Cup. They're going to have events going on there as well, free events. So get yourself down the next weekend before they do close for a week or 10 days. Uh, Joining me today to discuss a away win in the north of England, Matt Lansley. For the first time ever. For the first time ever. (laughs) How are you doing, guys? Very well. I'm doing very well. Yeah, as you say, it's been a long time. We'll put this out there now so that people don't need to hear it eight times throughout the podcast. But Lansley and I have gone on a historic run um, of not winning, not seeing Reading win north of Birmingham since 2017. So it was a nice drive home yesterday after the uh, after the win and some beers in the car were consumed. So it was very, very fun. Dave. You weren't at Wigan yesterday, but you did get to watch us pick up three points. Enjoyable. Very enjoyable. Um, i I got to tell you, you don't want to mention it eight times in the podcast, but uh, I think I'm, I'm struggling to see whether I'm more excited at the three points or the fact that the two of you have witnessed a win north of Birmingham. Uh, I was waiting for it like everyone else on the edge of my seat. Goodness me, it was tension, tension all round. Genuinely thought we might concede later on, but thankfully we didn't. One nil to Reading was the final score. Yesterday's game, Dave, after three nil defeat in midweek, you might have expected some changes, and we did come in with one change with Loom dropping out of the starting lineup. The lineup itself, although there was only one change, the system was definitely different yesterday. With Hutchinson not really playing as a defender and more as a defensive midfielder in that central three. What did you make of that yesterday and, and kind of walk us through the rest of the lineup and the system? Yeah, it, it definitely was obvious from from the word go that um, it was a very different uh, situation. And uh, at first, in that in the first, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes, it almost seemed like the players hadn't quite um, adjusted uh, from from what they what they had known. Um, looked a little bit scattered. You couldn't really uh, say that 
positional discipline was there, shall we say. Um, McIntyre would some sometimes be almost joining Hutch in the midfield. Um, it, it didn't seem to click early on, shall we say. And and I think that that was the, the story of the first half for, for Reading. Um, I did see a number of people reacting online saying, you know, why have we changed a system that has often done us well? Uh, because it, it did look that different when, when you looked up um, up top. Um, Ince was playing as that second striker, almost, alongside uh, Joao, and just didn't really seem to be getting too much of the ball compared to what we're used to. Uh, so he was then dropping deeper. So then again, you've got these two, two striker positions, but neither of them are really that high up the pitch. Yeah, it, it did look a little disjointed to begin with. So uh, one thing about the system yesterday and the, and the guess the formation is that the more I now think about it in my head, the less I actually think there was a system change and more of just a personnel change because we still played three centre-backs, even though one of them is Andy Yeardom and one is McIntyre and neither of them, we're ne- you know, I'm not necessarily sure that is the best position for, for Yeardom, certainly. And then we ended up with the two wing-backs. So it still felt like we were playing like a three to whatever whatever the formation numbers might be, it doesn't really matter. It was three centre-backs with two wing-backs, except for the fact that Sam Hutchinson was acting almost as like an, I don't know, like a screen map in front of the defence, especially during the first 25 minutes or so, as, as Dave said, when there wasn't necessarily that fluidity between the, between the lines. It was almost pretty much an advanced centre-back, I think, you know, because he, like, like, like I say, he was pretty much sat, like, no more than almost five yards in front of the back line. It was almost, you could almost say an advanced centre-back or maybe even four centre-backs. It was, it was quite defensive. I think there was, there was a clear point, I think yesterday, I think we said it quite early on as well, Alex, at the game that like, that a clean sheet's almost pivotal today. You know, it, it was just imperative not, not to concede or just not to, give up the chances and I, I, I mean it might have been taken it to an extreme with the amount of obviously defensive or defensive minded players on the pitch but it was clear to kind of see that mindset going into the game I think you're right it, it definitely looked to me like the game plan was we're, we're just going to not try and give up chances and, and given that Wigan's home form so far had been four games and I think it was what three draws and three draws and a defeat, something like that. They hadn't won at home before yesterday, obviously still haven't. It, it felt almost like the game plan was similar to that of against Millwall a few weeks ago, where we we set our stall out to basically try and nick a goal, get a couple of big chances here and there. But really the main point and the focus was not to give up the big chances. And the first 20, 25 minutes, Dave, as you say, was really void of action. I, I couldn't tell you anything that happened from the first 25 minutes because the, what, I don't think there was a shot from either side, really. Um, no. The first chance actually didn't come until the 25th minute. And Jeff Hendrick finds himself in a really good op- like really good um, position here, probably about six, seven yards out, Dave, I think. And at the time, I really, I was really like quite frustrated with the with the miss on, on this because I think he just has to do much better here. Um, having watched the replay, I'm not so sure. What 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 do you reckon? Yeah, same reaction in real time. It seemed like he was in a great position, not picked up, and uh, he gets that on target. Good chance of scoring. Watching it back, um, 
same doubts have crept in that, that you've, you've seen there. Uh, may, maybe not as clear cut as we first thought, but I think the the overall summing up, I would say, is at the very least, it, it should trouble the keeper. And, and it really didn't. It went flying over. And are we a little bit more critical of Hendrik here because he's not quite clicked just yet uh, as compared to the other new signings we've brought in? Have we had a few instances from him where it's just not quite been the accuracy that whether it's passing or shooting that we would expect from him with, with his experience and his level? Maybe. But I do think that at the very least, the keeper's got to be making a save there. And uh, sadly, not the case. Into proverbial Rosette. Yeah, Rosette, it definitely, it was a long way over by, by the time uh, by the time it landed. And I think Wig and Matt didn't really create very much of anything today in that first half. I think there was one header in the first half that they had. Um, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, they had one header that just kind of drifted past the far post. It didn't have much conviction on or anything, the header. And I think they had one one snapshot from about the edge of the box. It was just like, I mean, during the first half, I mean, we said it, or I think you mentioned it to me during the game. It was just like this had nil-nil written all over it, you know, from early in the game because it was just, it, nothing was happening. It was pretty, it wasn't really the uh, the biggest advert for maybe football that you could probably find out there. Just, I mean, just going back to the header, Matt, the, it, it did feel almost as if Wigan hadn't necessarily done their their homework in, in that regard because the one header which did come, it was a cross from the left-hand side, um, a deep cross from the left-hand side aimed towards the back post at where Andy Yeardham is is playing. And, and we all know that Andy Yeardham is an A, a centre-back, and B, he's not the biggest player on the field and isn't going to win that many headers, especially against somebody as tall and big as someone like Will Keane. But that was really the only time that Wigan tried to exploit that. And it felt like they, they just missed a the trick there completely. Well, again, it, it, like at, at the time, it was like you could you could see it happening because I think it was McGuinness as well who actually got the header in the end. Um, but I mean, Yedom had both Keane and McGuinness on him, both towering over him. And, and it was just like... The way the way it happened in that first half, you would have thought they would have, like you said, exploited it more. I mean, you've got a clear height advantage there. If you can get a good cross into that back post area, you've almost got pretty much a free, almost a free header with the, either one of those two because they're both taller than Yeardum. You know, Yeardum's not the best in the air, but like, like say, maybe they didn't do, maybe they didn't do their homework. Probably, probably more likely they just weren't expecting Yeardum to play right centre back. I think we were all a bit surprised anyway that he was playing there because you know now now we've got the players fit back at centre-back you know there's no real necessity to play Yeardham at centre-back saying that we've probably kept the most clean sheets with Yeardham at centre-back though as well why, so, so the question for both of you here why is Yeardham playing centre-back yesterday what's the like what do you reckon the logic is is it because Ince wants to play Hoyler at right wing back is it because he wants to play Hutchinson and he doesn't trust Loom or is it just because Yeardham is playing well at centre-back what's the like what's the reasoning Dave uh, probably a, a combination of, of all of the above. I think that Hoylet has offered us a lot this um, this season and his work that he's been filling in at left wing back. Um, now we've got Raman to bring in, bring him across to the right. You've then got the reliable Yadam at 
in that centre-back pairing as opposed to... Um, I mean, Hutch has been playing very well, but if he's got this idea, perhaps, of, of putting him in front of the centre-backs and, and that's where they're going, then he's got to pull him out of there. Who else do you put in at the back? Uh, and Benge, maybe he can go there, but at the same time, he's just signed. It's, it's a bit early... Loom looked a bit off the pace on Wednesday, um, which, you know, fair enough, he's coming back from injury. So um, give, give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, so I think it, it's probably like a, a, a circumstantial um, decision. Uh, I, I definitely wouldn't have taken Hoyler out uh, based on what he's done for us, even though out of position. Is it, is it one that you think we're going to keep once, let's say, Loom is back to full fitness? After the international break, do you reckon it's one that that Paul Lynch continues with with Yeard on playing centre back, even if it's every so often? No. Um, I, I think it's his backup plan. I think we're seeing the backup plan in, in action. I think when, once you got uh, Naby Sarr back fit uh, in that cent, uh, central three, completely um, forgot Naby Sarr. Didn't even yeah. didn't even twig. Well, we, we only got that one one great game, right? Yeah. Um, I think once he's back in there, we'll see McIntyre probably drop out and Hutchinson in with, with Holmes. And, and then you've got your more natural right wing back position for, for Yadam. Um, and then probably Loom sitting in front. But I think if, if in the future he wants Hutch um, in front like that, there'll be someone else that comes in uh, such that Abby Adam doesn't have to drop back. Yeah, I think think thinks so. I think you're right about it being a backup plan currently. It's not I'm not sure it's the one which is going to be the one going forwards, but it did definitely work yesterday because that first half from Wigan was it was just slow, very very slow. And I mean, the opening of the second half, Matt was was also slow. It, the game really didn't kick into gear until probably 60 minutes in. And if I'm being honest, the goal was the thing that that really ignited the game because. Before that, there wasn't really many chances at all. I don't think. Um, well, I think McIntyre McIntyre had a bit of a bit of a swing and a miss just before just before the free kick. I think I, I think to be honest, after half time, Reading came out the better of the two because like for, there was there was a period in the game. I think there was a bit of a bit of an injury for for one of the Wigan players that kind of stalled it just before the free kick. Um, but Reading Reading came out, I'd say, the better of the two two teams they came out with a bit more pace a bit more intensity a bit more of like right we've survived for 45 minutes now let's try and you know build on this it was almost like the Brian McDermott kind of you know mentality from yesteryear this this McIntyre chance that you mentioned I think it happens just before the goal as you say and it's a it's a bad miss isn't it there was a few bad misses yesterday I think and it was one of them (laughs) Um, it was one of those where um not only was the miss kind of criminal and you know if you watch it back and freeze frame it and everything else there might be a, a boot that goes in from the from the defender to to turn it over but still he should be putting that on on target um but the most disappointing thing was it was the culmination of the first real drive forward that we were putting together in the game um Ince was just i mean he's brilliant yesterday but he was really pushing us forward we had got the ball out to the right we had lost the ball and then got it back and then and that cross in was very good and the fact that we didn't get anything out of it was was really disappointing and that's where the old doubts start creeping in you're like oh is this what today's going to be like yeah i think yeah it was one of those where it was the 
probably his second chance really after the Hendrick one, which we had. And as you say, Dave, it was one of those where you, where you think, if we can't take a chance like that, when are we going to take a chance? But Matt, I'm going to use a little cliche, come off, come off the hour, come off the man here, because Tommy steps up and, I mean, I saw some comments online yesterday saying, let's not bother having a player of the season vote this season. It's only September, guys. Like, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But he's putting himself in a very strong position here, Tom Ince, isn't he? Because this is a very good free kick and it's, you know, another three points which has been claimed off of a, off of an action which he's produced. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we, you know, we're, we're a month and a half two months into the season I just think we're all running out of superlatives really for Tom Ince so far this season you know he's he's just seemingly doing doing everything and epitomizing everything this Paul Ince team wants to be about I mean I think we've said that 30 40 times already this season as well but I mean the free kick I mean we we know he's kind of got free kick ability from his previous his previous stints at you know um at, at uh, especially at Derby scored quite a few free kicks there for him but not really seen it yet for Reading, but, you know, at, at, I think a lot of people worried when Swift went about having a set piece taker. I mean, you know, you've got, you've got one here in, 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 in Tom Ince. I think he is helped somewhat by the fact that I think the wall just decides to be uh, a proverbial wall rather than a, a, a footballing wall. They just, I, I, they don't even jump, do they? It's, it's the most feeble kind of attempt really for a wall. But I mean, yeah, it, it really felt it really felt like that. They were not expecting the free kick to go there at all. And they were expecting it to go in the far corner, not the near corner. And yet there's three, four of them lined up there. Where else did they think it was going to go? Like, you know, it's, it's it, the it keeper's doesn't really been make... done. Yeah, well, you would... done by his defense. Yeah, because well, he's, he's lined them up there and, and yet they haven't jumped. So he's gone to cover and his positioning was a little off. He was OK, but it was a little off. He's expecting them to cover that near post. And as you say, they, they haven't at all. It feels almost opportune, really, from Inst to, to, to shoot there. I, I mean, obviously, he doesn't know that the, the wall isn't going to jump. But as you say, Dave, I think his positioning is maybe a little suspect. It's not awful, but it's it's not perfect from the goalkeeper. Um, but it doesn't, can't take anything away because the, the free kick itself is very good and it's right in the corner of the goal. Uh, right in the corner, you know what I mean, on the side of the goal. He really couldn't have placed it much better, Matt. And going 1-0 up from what was probably the um, least good chance that we'd actually had, considering the McIntyre chance, considering the, the Hendrick chance in the first half, it really screamed a lot of Millwall away, where we where we created chance after chance, and we didn't score any of them. And the one we did score was a a set piece yeah but i mean i think it's one thing that i think this team has has kind of got at the moment it's that threat from set pieces be it free kicks be it corners you know we're a very big very imposing team for corners but then we've also got a player like tom ince um i think even hoylet's taken a couple of free kicks as well you know who who can then exploit these chances because at the end of the day these are your free chances really to you know that, that are gifted to you to try and score goals and you've got to take advantage of them. You know, if you don't have a player like Tom Ince in this situation, you know, you're probably trying to cross it in and get a knockdown or something, but it's just nice to have that, have that threat there. Um, but I mean, kind of in, in, in the game as well, it was just a sigh of relief as well, because like you say, whenever you're missing chances, like we were missing earlier in the game, I, 
I say chances, the, the two chances we had, you know, you do start to think, oh, is it going to be another one of these days? But, you know, they stood up when, 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 when they needed to and, and got, got the crucial goal and put us ahead. And we all know kind of what happens when we go ahead. When Reading, so when, yeah, when Reading go ahead, they win. That's what happens. <laughs> um... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I mean, after an hour of pretty much no chances in this game, the next 10 minutes were just mad. It felt like there was so many chances in the next 10 minutes after the goal. It seemed like the whole stadium woke up as well because it had been very quiet up until that point. The Wigan fans were absolutely silent. And and this isn't me, you know, trying to trash the Wigan fans. It was just very, very quiet there. And then as soon as Reading scored, it it woke up for some reason. Uh, But we almost, Dave, gifted a goal straight back to them because less than, what, five minutes after we scored, Wigan had a really well I don't know if it was a good opportunity or whether it was just a fortunate opportunity I mean what do you, what do you reckon yeah it, sorry very, very much oh yeah yeah you're good no I'm, my heart's still uh calming down from this moment so I remember what you were talking about um the the period immediately after the goal to be fair to Wigan they really responded they they upped the intensity the the fans woke up the um the general intensity did start to worry me that maybe they were going to come back into it. And this chance, um, I forget how the ball gets to the lad, but he's, he's kind of outside of the, to the left-hand side, I think of the, of the box. And he puts this, um, this shot in and it beats everybody goes past Lumley. No, no mistake from Lumley. It just goes past him and it comes off of the inside of the post and comes out. Which it it to all in like you watch that back, I swear like nine times out of ten, the flight of the ball there, you're just waiting for it to ping into the goal off of the inside of the post. I don't know how it quite comes out, but I was very happy to see it happen. I I thought it was a cross in all honesty. I'm really not sure if it was a shot or a cross or what it was. It was just a kind of a floated ball across the area. I thought um, it was a cross yeah. and a header from Will Keane. I think we covered all bases there. <laughs> well, somehow, <laughs> could have been the, ball, there. somehow yeah. the ball went towards the Reading goal. No one really knows how, which isn't a great yeah. great aspect for this podcast. But somehow the ball went towards the Reading goal and it hit the post. I thought from watching it and kind of watching the replay on the big screen at like half of an angle from underneath the uh, Wigan stand, once the ball hits the post, Dave, you'll have to kind of, you know, fill the, deal to, fill the details in here for me. Does Lumley claw the ball out? Yeah. Yeah, I thought he did. Like, Very impressive. And then McIntyre hooks it away. Yeah. So I'm sure of that part. The um, How the ball got to hitting the post, clearly I've blanked that out from PTSD or something. I was, I was so concerned at the time that we... You know, we finally get this breakthrough down the other end, and then and then we throw it away. But not to be. You're right. Um, Lumley does claw the ball away uh, when it's coming back across the goal, and then from there, McIntyre is able to clear. And Matt, 
like a minute, two minutes later, um, McIntyre is at the other end of the field. And really, this should be 2-0. This should be game over because McIntyre puts in a great cross from the left-hand side. And it is a, it's, it's a very fast break from Reading. And I think McIntyre, and for some reason, McIntyre and Ince are the players who are highest up the field here. Don't know, I don't quite know how you get those two to be your highest players up the field together. But McIntyre and Ince find themselves up the field. McIntyre puts in a great cross. And Tom Ince has missed a header from, I don't want to call it six inches, but it's, it's a close header, isn't it? Let's be honest. I'm not quite sure how he's managed to head this wide of the goal. Yeah. Well, he's headed it wide over. Um, but I mean, I think for, first and foremost, it was great work from McIntyre because it was actually, I think him and him and Rahman were pressing up on the left-hand side and it was actually McIntyre. He, he was able to kind of bulldoze his, his way through the defender and won, won the ball really well, puts in the great cross to, to Ince. But I mean, I think they were joking about it after the game, weren't they, in the interviews? Um, I think Paul, both Paul Ince and, and uh, Tom Ince both said kind of... Um, yeah, it was kind of well. It's, it's it's the easiest header. He's he could probably have ever scored. He's not a prolific header of the ball, of course. But you know, I think to I think with what what Ince said, I think summed it up. You know, even his daughter could have could have uh, scored that that header from from that close. I mean, it's it's completely unmarked as well. It's it's unchallenged. It's 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 probably as perfect a cross as you'll probably see. It's it's not got the pace on it that maybe the cross had from from um, Wigan that you know it, it came off the post. Though, it didn't, didn't need it because it. it just dropped perfectly almost. I don't. I, I think it was between the centre-back and the left-back and just incoming was Ince. And yeah, I mean, I just... Just Reading really, really need to learn how... I don't know how they do it because even they're squirming these week after week. But when you're 1-0 up, you need to learn how to kill the game off. Ince said it after the game as well, you know, because the, these the, these chances just put the game to bed and there's there's no... There's no worry then towards the end of the game. Maybe it's keeping the Reading players more on their toes towards the end. You don't know. But I mean, I'd much rather us see us go 2-0 up there than stay 1-0 for the rest of the game. I don't don't know how much more of more of this my heart can take over the next uh over the next 36 games, these one nils and uh missed chances from from two yards and one-on-ones and that. Don't worry, there's another missed chance here. We're going to discuss that one as well. So, missed chance, Yakimete comes on 78 minutes. Number three, number four. Which one is this? This now. <laughs> yeah, this is, I think this is number three. And this is another big chance, Dave. Yakimete has been on the field probably 60 seconds when he gets this chance. And this chance is very, very reminiscent of the Shane Long chance at Millwall. It really is. And I. I think the fact he's been on for 60 seconds may be a contributing factor here. Uh, he's maybe not expecting that early to be involved, but pass comes to him. Um, he springs the offside. Uh, he's, he's definitely onside. And he's through one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And you're just thinking, ah, oh, the return of Yakumete. Here we go. This is brilliant. Everything was set up for this to be a goal. He's central. He's one-on-one with the keeper. He's in front of the away fans. All he's got to do yeah. is tuck it, tuck it past the goalkeeper, right? Just finish up the story, write the headline, and here we go. And he, he takes it on target, at least. Um, but the keeper's come out very quickly, to be fair to him. He's done everything a keeper can do in this situation. Gets a big right hand on it, and, and, and the chance is missed. But my main thought there, especially with the timing, 60 seconds after the substitution, Lucas Schwal didn't get a chance like that all game. And he must have been sat there on the bench watching that unfold, thinking, if only that was me. And you feel confident 
he'd have tucked it away. I think I think the weirdest thing though was that he decides to take it on his right foot. He's got nobody around him, Mate. And yet we know that because he's even joked about this in the past, he never scores with his right foot. He's got the right foot of just I nothing there's nothing connected to his right leg seemingly when he goes to shoot why on earth is he putting a one-on-one chance on his right foot like because and it it doesn't even make it hard for the keeper it wasn't even a right hand it was like it just passes it just straight into his chest it's the weirdest most frustrating chance and like 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 say lucas lucas on the bench doesn't get a chance all game and sees that i mean god he must be just, just watch Matt try to demonstrate how he's moved it onto his right foot there for anybody. Well, obviously, no one can see it. But Matt's just tried to demonstrate it to us on camera that he does indeed move it to his right foot. Don't, I don't quite get this. It's a very typical Yakumete kind of moment, isn't it, Dave? He's great when he's instinctive, and then as soon as he has to think yeah. about something, it doesn't work. Yeah, if, if he has too much time to think about what he's going to do, that's not his game. He doesn't really tend to pan out and we've seen that for a few seasons and I love the man like don't this is not Yaku Mate hate here he um he's he scored many an important goal for us but if you look back over his his catalogue of goals for Reading generally speaking it's snap reaction to something and and bury it when he's got time to pick his spot decision making perhaps lets him down a little bit there maybe gets in his head a little bit too much Maybe maybe we're just a team of that just isn't very good at one on ones because I think Zhao has missed a few one on ones in his time as well. Um, in in uh, in 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 yester season, it's just like seemingly they need to do one on one practice because these continually seem to be popping up. And yet, I win. I I don't think we've scored a one on one yet this season. I think we've had like five or six now. It's it's not good. It's not it's not our it's not our forte, is it? One on one on ones yet. Um, the the clock kind of carried on ticking through and I was getting more and more nervous, I have to say, as this as the game went on. And we got to 90 minutes and the board went up with eight minutes of additional <laughs> time. I mean, I know Reading do waste time, but eight minutes seemed a lot uh, yesterday. It, the... it, like, I, I think everyone in the crowd was bemused at the at, at, at the time because like, like, like say, every Reading fan knows that there's a lot of gamesmanship in this Reading team at the moment, but... No, oh, I, did. like, I still don't know how they got... Well, I, I'm guessing the referee must have added on at least a minute for Alex Ray kicking the ball away when it came to him and not Megan... That Dickens was majestic. Away. Someone someone needs to find the clip of that and actually post that because that was shithousery to the extreme. When your assistant manager is nutmegging with like a little chop like the opposing player, I mean, the game should have just finished then. The ref should have just been like, no, sorry, we can't... That we, we like like that, that Reading of one. Reading of <laughs> one. That, that's a KO right there. Does the referee add 30 seconds on if he has to book someone on who's not on the field? Like, how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. But, um, yeah, the, the the game ticked into injury time and Reading brought on uh, their final substitution. Mbengue, I want to say, is how you pronounce his name? Mbengue? I'm not yeah, entirely yeah. sure. But I'm going to say it's that. He came on and played at right wing back uh, in place of Junior Hoylet for the last eight, nine minutes of the game. And he looked okay, actually. Um, won a couple of headers, got involved very, very quickly. However, Wigan did create one decent chance, Dave, in the 94th, 95th minute. And Charlie White had a header from about seven or eight yards. Yes, another one of those where they, they were putting the pressure on. And again, the fact that all those missed chances, we've left it at 1-0. Um, it kind of had 90 plus three 
equalizing header written all over it. Um, the situation unfolds uh, exactly that way. And uh, inexplicably, he, he heads it right over, which was a delight to see. I celebrated and a uh, bit weird you know, in a room on my own. But, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't as good as Ince's header that he missed uh, in terms of uh, chance quality, but definitely you were you were thinking he was probably going to put that in. It's another game, though, where we haven't really considered a big chance. And I think it's a game, um, the reaction afterwards, from especially from Wigan fans again, is one of those things where you hear Reading was one of the worst teams we've played this season, or the worst team we've played this season. And yet the opposition in these games, I mean, who 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 said that so far? Wigan, Sunderland, Middlesbrough. In all of these games, we haven't really given up many big chances, if any big chances. And it's, it's difficult to really see their point, if I'm honest. I don't necessarily think we're playing that well, but also when you're limiting the the opposition to so few big chances are you really playing that badly i think i think the the, the biggest thing is like we're not looking like you know a free-flowing passing team you know we're not looking like to be fair when sunderland played against us or you know we're not looking like a you know a premier league passing outfit a man city or liverpool whoever you want to use the comparison we're not looking like that but i mean like like you say every single game we're not really giving up that many, or not every game. That obviously in the games that we're winning, we're not giving up that many chances. Like, and if 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 you're not if you're not actually giving up chances to your opposition, then you know you're gonna. I mean, we, we we've we've said it before. You know, if you're drawing every single game nil nil, you're gonna, or if you're keeping clean sheets, you're gonna keep enough or get enough points to to stay to stay up this season. To be honest, like all this talk, I mean, Ince has said it before as well, all this talk of third place and everything, you know, we're not going to be up in third place come the end of the season, or I think all of us will be falling off our chairs, I think, if we are. You know, that's not the objective. The objective this season is still just to stay up, just purely circumstantial because of everything that, that's around it. You know, so is a team that's just looking to stay up going to actually be that good of a team? I think most Reading fans know that we're not the best of teams anyway. So saying that we're the worst team is just such a... Like, Wigan fans the, were the particularly ones that say salty. It, though, they were they were salty. the the whole The whole group mentioned have been salty, but the problem is, is these these fans have decided when the fixtures came out that Reading were the worst team that were going to come to them. Um, they hate Reading. Like the the amount of piss we boil as a club is <laughs> like record levels. Like we Beautiful. we could have gone out there, we could have passed the ball around like a Man City. We could like. Tom Ince could have turned into Erling Haaland and Kung Fu kicked a goal uh, and we could have won 6-0 and they would have come away. But how have we lost 6-0 to that worst team we've seen? They've prejudged. They hate Ince. They hate Reading. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Boil a piss. Go for it. Dave is, I mean, I know, Matt, you said that Reading aren't going to be third at the end of the season, but I know Dave's already sat there and looked up flights for the playoffs. So I've, I've got it booked. I've, I've got the best table at the Purple Turtle already locked down. Don't worry. We've yeah we so we do we do sit third now as as you say Matt and we're ten games into the season now we've won six we've, we've lost four but we have won six eighteen points is a much better start than anyone would have predicted we'll do a little bit more of an in depth review at some point in the next week or so 
in a separate podcast as to how our start has been and, and things like that. But they just give me kind of like a quick two-liner on on your thoughts on our start. Who's impressed you most and what, what do you make of it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, far from the finished article, plenty still to be worried about the, the fact that our choice is either narrow win or heavy defeat. And that's it. And that's our two choices this season uh, is a very risky way to go. I've seen comparisons to the Stam season and there's there's elements there that you can you can see where the comparison's coming from. Um, but I think overall, anyone in the fan base that says they're not thrilled with how this has gone has to be lying. Like maybe you don't want us to go about it this way. Maybe you don't love the choice of manager or you don't love the choice of players or whatever it may be. It's a team that works together more more often than it doesn't. And uh you know, if you're picking out a standout, it's got to be Tom Ince. I mean, it's it's the most obvious statement I'll make at all, but um, he's been the difference and he's he's really stood out. Matt, you can't pick Tom Ince. Dave's already taken him. Damn Who's been your favourite player so far outside oh. Ince? I'd probably say Junior Hoylet. I think, which it's 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 a bit of a left field one. I think his crossing leaves a bit to be desired, but again, I think he epitomises quite a lot of kind of what this team is about, and I think is getting a lot of respects at the moment within within this Reading within this Reading team. I think Hoy Hoylit probably Fauna as well. I think is going to be up there just because of the way he had a quiet start to the season, but after those first like four three four games, I think he's been so crucial. In this in this team, the way the way he can pick the ball up, carry it forwards, got a good touch. I think if he can get a bit better passing as well, he could be one hell of a player. But it definitely, I think would be between those two for me. Yeah, I think I will go Fauna as my kind of like most impressive player so far. And uh, I guess if I was picking a second outside of Tom Inns, and then if I guess if I was picking a second, I think I might go Tom Holmes. I've been yeah. very impressed in the games. In the games where we have ended up winning, he's been very, very impressive. In the games where we have ended up losing, I don't think he's been the reason or the worst performer. He's had a couple of bad games, but I can see, I think I can see exactly how his career looks like it's going to pan out. He's the same age that Alex Pierce was when we won the league, whatever it was, 10 years ago now, 11 years ago. Um, it 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 just screams to me that he's going to be a, a really kind of like solid championship player for the next seven, eight, nine years potentially. I don't see him being at a level where he's just going to drop away from this now. So yeah, been very impressed with Tom in um, Tom Ince, Tom Holmes, and and Fauna, especially those three. Um, I think a, a word for Joe Lumley as well. It sounds funny because a lot of people will, will point to that Rotherham game, but aside from the Rotherham game. He hasn't done much wrong and he's done plenty right. And I think that given what our expectations were and some of what he brings, not just the shithousery, but also the, um, he commands that defence. I mean, five clean sheets speaks for itself. Four? I think, yeah, I, yeah. I can't count. I, I, clean sheets, think, sorry. I think the the thing about Lumley is he's not being asked to do too much as well, mm. which helps. And don't get me wrong, I don't think he's played badly. I think he's, but everything he's being asked to do, he's doing well, but he's just not being asked to do very much. He's being asked to come out, claim balls from crosses, which he's done very well so far. He can pick a pass out. Yesterday was the first time I really noticed it, but he can pick a decent pass out. 
Um, obviously, the Lucas Shaw goal against Stoke was was another example of that. And even though he's not being asked to make too many saves, he is, you know, producing those saves when needed most of the time. And I can see why fans are taking to him because he does. He he genuinely seems quite a likable guy. He seems to play up to the fans. He knows what they want to see. And yeah, considering the expectations when he signed, definitely overperforming against those, which is which is good to see. As I said, we'll come back with like a bit more of an in-depth review of our first 10 games at some point during the week. Uh, now we're on international break. We'll also have a little family fortunes style game show at some point during the international break. You might remember one from pre-season. We're going to bring it back. Matt Lansley is the reigning champion and we'll be taking on somebody, probably Paul, uh, to see who knows the Reading fan base best. And we can't end this, Dave, without a mention of Andy Carroll because he's back and he did play yesterday, even if it was only for 20 seconds. Sealed the win. Yeah, he, came on to, to see it out. Yeah, he's back. He's wearing number two. Get used to it. Yeah, he can't. He he can't be called AC nine anymore. But we're still going to call him AC two. AC two it is. I'll, I'll be. I'll, I'm fine with AC two. We'll be back during the week. Make sure to like, subscribe to Elm Park Royals on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, whatever your podcast subscription service is. Leave us a review and we will talk to you all very, very soon. You are.